Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast after a long time away. Have you missed us? Well, we've missed you, haven't we, Catherine? Oh, we have, yeah, we have. It's, it's Just hasn't been the same. It's been a big black hole in our lives. There the has, and she's not saying that sarcastically or anything. Now, honestly, it has been a, a strange old feeling not to talk to you, to you lot about tennis for the last six weeks. Uh, I've, I've barely spoken to Catherine at all because she's basically deserted me. She used to work with me in tennis. Now she's she's just left me in the lurch and gone off to do something completely different. However, the good news is she's here for the tennis podcast and she's not going anywhere for the next hour. For the next hour, for the next week, for the next month, I am I am tennis podcast committed. It is my number one priority. So, excellent, excellent. And my off. word, have we got a lot to cover in this edition of the tennis podcast, Catherine? The last time we spoke, it was just after the conclusion of the Wimbledon final, in which Andy Murray was holding aloft that beautiful gold trophy. And now we're on the eve of the first Grand Slam title that he won here last year. The US Open about to begin. I've arrived in New York today. I don't know why I'm sounding so upbeat because I haven't had a, any sleep for about the last 48 hours, but I'm right up for the US Open. It's Saturday night here in New York. It's the middle of the night back in the UK where you are, Catherine. It's raining, isn't it, Catherine? I, I you know, just thought I'd drop that in and rub it in a bit more. Uh, but uh, we've got a lot to discuss. There has been an incredible amount happening in the tennis world over the last six weeks. But before we get into that, how's your tennis? Have you, you had any matches with your brother lately? <laughs> I haven't. No, there is one. There is one scheduled for Monday. So, um, if anybody wants to be on the edge of their seats between now and then, um, obviously we'll let you know the outcome. I think in we the might next have to have a special, a special edition of the tennis podcast just to update us on that on that scoreline. Yeah. Uh, I, I did actually get uh, challenged to a match here in New York by Simon Briggs, the Daily Telegraph tennis correspondent, who uh, I played a little bit of tennis with in, in Miami. Uh, when we got given these lovely, gleaming Laura Robson rackets for helping Wilson out with a little 10-minute pro-am. Um, and we were rubbish, but we decided we would challenge each other to, to a match here in New York. There's, a, there's one slight problem with that, one slight spanner in the works. I've forgotten my racket. 
So we're we're in a bit of trouble there. So uh, we won't be having a big showdown, me and Simon Briggs, but we will uh, we will sort of um, be talking a lot about the next time we're going to play. I think that's what Goran would call uh, defaulted due to insufficient equipment, wouldn't he? Yes. Yeah, you're right. Actually, <laughs> I've got no excuse at all. Marion Bartley, what on earth has happened? The woman wins Wimbledon. And now she's retired. I, I mean, it is just the most extraordinary story. I was trying to think of something comparable. I don't think... And I uh, think uh, is there anything comparable? I'd, I'd say that the closest thing is Bjorn Borg walking away from the sport at 26, isn't it? But Bjorn Borg had accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish. Um, and and had, had, I suppose, not, I mean... Uh, obviously it was before my time i i must i must mention that so but uh, i mean marion bartley has just within within weeks of her retirement had only just reached the peak of her her career i mean isn't isn't that the perfect time to call it a day though in a way you know well should should andy roddick what more is there does andy roddick regret not retiring in you know late 2003 because he never scaled those heights again but i'm sure he doesn't Ah, but we're all different aren't we we're all different i mean he some people would say he retired too early he wasn't even 30 years of age no well i mean if marion federer at 32 if marion bartley looks back in 10 years and has no regrets then you know it's nothing to do with us at all. all all we're doing is interpreting her decision and predicting whether or not she will consider it the right decision in a few years if it's the right decision for her then it's obviously the right decision but the the nature of how she made it the circumstances surrounding it I can't believe that there's not a certain element of of knee-jerk irrationality in there um, which everyone's entitled to it's just For a decision admit, that, that, of of that magnitude to be made in that frame of mind, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not saying that that frame of mind is irrational, um, but to make such a a momentous decision in that frame of mind, um, I, I, well, I mean, she knows far better than I do. I mean, I'm not an expert on on the psychology of Marion Bartley, and as I say, in ten years' time, if she has no regrets, well, then obviously the it's been the right decision and good on her. But wow, it's a big decision to make in the wake of a, a yeah. defeat like that, and you know, with very little time to to consider things is is all. But also, all I, can I mean, say. you know, here's here's a woman who would have had the most lucrative twelve months of her career coming up right now. She could have really. Um, cashed in on that Wimbledon success with all sorts of endorsements and and commercial opportunities but I mean she would know that she's got a management team they would remind her of those those possibilities and what did strike me because because I thought exactly the same thing as you I've seen many players come into post-match press conferences and say things that they regret in the heat of the moment in the emotion of it all what struck me though is that all of her public utterances since then have sounded like relief, have sounded like a weight has lifted off her shoulders as though she's been let free and and can now just enjoy life again. What I would say is it's very, very early Mm. days. And uh, I just think, having heard what Goran Ivanisevic said at the the ATP Champions Tour event in Belgium last week, uh, which a tournament that he won, he, uh, he was saying that 
there is nothing like coming out as the defending champion and he missed out on that chance in 2002 because he had injury having won it in 01 and he eventually managed to go out in 04 and uh, and and play again but you know he really regrets the fact that he he happened to be injured at that point in his career and i just think that maybe in 6 months time when she's had time to decompress she might suddenly think Oh my goodness, what have I done? I've got to be able to play Wimbledon at least. And if she does, then the opportunity, she will have the opportunity to return, won't she? I mean, Justine Annan did. I mean, you know, there have been plenty of examples of comebacks, um, some more Kim, successful yeah, than Kim others. Kleisters, Davenport, Hingis, they've all retired. I mean, I actually think that really what, what a lot of players are thinking when they make this decision initially is. I need a year off. I need mm. some time off, some proper time off. And I think that calling it a sabbatical might be better. But listen, she may she may make a, a fool out of me and, and, and stay retired and be completely happy with the decision. And if she is, good luck to her. Do, um, do you think there's any question of um, that shift in in mental state, that shift in psychology of of being the, from being the underdog? to being a champion and being somebody who people see as a target and people see as somebody to overthrow. Do you think there's anything in that? I, I think it's possible with some players. I I mean, I don't... The funny thing is I, I still don't really see her as a target because I didn't see her as one of the top five players in the world. Even though she'd won Wimbledon, she, she felt like a top ten player to me still. Um, so, I mean, I I can't answer for her. I mean, I just, I, I, I take her at face value when she, the way she talks about the injuries, she talks about them in such depth that I can only assume that that's what it was all about. And, and therefore, you know, playing with pain is really not fun at all. Um, and uh, I think that, um, that, that, you know, she, she's, she's been genuine there. I just think that once maybe the injuries have calmed down a bit, even if she just played three more weeks of her career, you know, a little warm-up for Wimbledon and defend the title and then then give it up. I would have thought that that might have been a better way to go and then enjoy all the, the money that you might get in the meantime. I know that's a bit cynical, but still. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I have every respect for her for not thinking in purely commercial terms and think, I mean if she is really thinking I don't have the heart for this anymore I don't have the the body for this anymore I have every respect respect for her for not thinking yeah but I can still make a load of money in in the meantime you know I can I can keep on playing week in week out heart not quite in it you know body not quite up to it but I can I can rake in a fair bit of money I really do respect her not um going down that route um have you announced your retirement yet, Catherine? <laughs> no, I'm still hoping to to rake in some money still, from from commercial ventures. Still plugging away, yeah. <laughs> trying to get to the top. Yeah. Oh, great! I, I, I do think though that it was a it was a bit of a shame um, the way both Bart, I mean Bart, Bartley retiring that sort of ruins the storyline of of her winning Wimbledon doesn't it in as much as there's nothing to build on with that story now for the the game for women's tennis and to a, a much lesser extent the same with Sabine Lizicki because she was such a, a bright spark at Wimbledon such a star in the making and she got injured almost immediately and we've not heard a thing from her since really yeah absolutely so, I mean it's not as if injuries 
are new for her. I mean, she's she's very much one of those players that is, is seems to be, if she's not currently injured, there's one on the horizon, which is a real shame, um, especially in light of Wimbledon, given given that it wasn't two absolute top names in the final of Wimbledon it still had um it still generated a lot of interest didn't didn't it because two two such interesting characters and and just there's no there's just no doubt that Sabina Zicky is is good for women's tennis I think and uh it's going to be a shame for as long as she's away from it and uh yeah, well, I mean, I was really hoping that was the launch pad, and who knows, maybe it still will be. But what you don't want that to be is the is the one off, no. you know, because uh, she could be really good for the game. She she's one of those players that that you care about uh, when you're watching her. You care whether she wins or mm. loses, whether you're against her or for her. I think she gets you worked up. Um, yeah, pe- people can relate to her, can't good. they? She draws people in, and. Um, it's just I said I'm not predicting that she you know she will have any kind of drop off, but I do I do just worry given that given how things went in the final, I do worry a bit only because I I think she can have such a powerful effect on the women's game if she does fulfil her potential and does continue to yeah. to do what she did at Wimbledon. But I mean she she's not the first person and she won't be the last to be. Um, caught in the headlights a bit in in a first Grand Slam final. And it doesn't always signal, you know, how things are always going to be. But, you know, it's different for every player. But I I, I certainly hope that's not the case for her. Yeah, I I kind of feel that people can relate to her in a way that they can't necessarily relate to Maria Sharapova and Victoria Azarenka that much, both of whom I have a lot of respect for and, and actually I quite like Azarenka and... Sharapova, I think there's more to her than maybe I initially thought there was until the last week in time in which the whole Sugarpova thing has happened uh, and, and the suggestion that she was going to change her name to to Maria Sugarpova, which she, she subsequently admitted mm. that that thought had occurred to her. And mm. I do find that yeah. Spe- spe- pretty, Speaking pretty of cashing cynical. in on commercial opportunities... Yeah, I mean, uh, of all the people on the planet that don't need money, she is pretty much at the top of the sporting list. I mean, she's been the highest paid female athlete in the world for the last how many how many years? A good number of years. Um, she doesn't need the money. That that much is clear. She has talked about this product being something that she wants to use to express herself and all that sort of thing, which is absolutely fine. But honestly, expressing to, yourself to, through sweet. Consider changing I mean, your name to the name of a, to the name of a, of something, a product like that. I find very very disappointing. Was she ever really planning to change her name, though, or was she just planning to? plant the seed in people's minds, generate enough publicity and then announce that uh, there were never any real plans there. I mean... Well, the, t- the timeline was beautifully constructed if it was, wasn't it? And as much as it came out, then... Uh, and then and then she's... she's it's 
it's said that she's not going to do it and then she's injured. I mean, that's a very cynical mm. attitude from me and, and, and that may just be utter coincidence. So, you know, got to give it the benefit of the doubt because I have no knowledge whatsoever. But uh, I just think either way, whether it's a publicity stunt or whether she actually genuinely thought about doing it for the two weeks, I find either one of them disappointing, personally. I agree uh, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's the lesser of two evils, isn't it? Whichever one it is. I mean, it's. But I, you're right. We have no. Um, <clears throat> we have no insider knowledge to say. Um, well, I certainly don't. I don't want to speak for you. Um, but uh, as to to which one of those it is. But either way, it's all pretty distasteful. I find. Mm. I mean, it's, it's yeah. all very well, sort of the commercial, the commercial side of things being an add-on to the sport and I completely accept that and you know I, I understand and appreciate the place for sponsorship and sport wouldn't work without it and and all that kind of thing but but when that starts to overtake and become the prominent thing and become as as crass and as crude as you know the reports of the the sugar pover name change this week um I don't know I, I think it all gets a bit um unseemly really but particularly and and i think it's particularly unfortunate given that she isn't like that normally or, or, or i know she she has a, a glamorous image and all of that kind of thing but and she has a great range of sponsors and so forth but, but, but she doesn't let that interfere work? with her her professional no, life does she she, she works incredibly hard she you won't get anybody more focused no. as an athlete i mean she's the ultimate competitor and I have enormous respect for her. Absolutely, she's that, she's never anything less than. That's why I find than... this disappointing. Really, I don't. I just don't get the point of this. I don't see really that it it's not worth it. No, I, I mean she's never anything less than professional on the court. Um, I quite agree, which is what makes it doubly disappointing. Um, and I, to be honest, I just couldn't care less about her sweets. And I, I and. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, if Have people if any? people want to buy them, good luck to them. Good luck to her. That's fine. But I just couldn't care less. And the fact that, you know, if you take <laughs> a step back from it all, and you look at, you know, Mira Sharapova potentially changing her name to endorse her line of sweets. I mean, it's all just utterly farcical, quite frankly. If you take a step back and look at the facts as they are, yes. it's all just ridiculous. And she's she's had a had an interesting couple of weeks because she hired Jimmy. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. 
but if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Which is not exactly a low-profile appointment. And... There, and there's one match, and it's quite a dramatic one against Sloane Stevens. She loses it in three sets. Connors is pretty demonstrative on the sidelines, and shaking his head occasionally, clenching his fist. And and straight after the match, he he tweets, um, you know, uh, I think he said every good round of golf starts with a bogey, and uh, and he was, you know, clearly expecting that this was just the first step on a road that they were going to journey along together and within within a couple of days he's fired and he's he's had one match with her and it's just the most extraordinary story i i, I don't understand it i mean it's uh i don't quite understand how you can make your mind up that quickly no uh, do you think the tweet had anything to do with it do you think she saw that and was was not happy. No, I, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have thought so. I, I mean, I think it's a perfectly innocuous tweet, and there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Um, and I, I just, I mean, listen, she knows whether there's chemistry between her and Jimmy Connors or not. I ju- I'm just surprised that a, a woman as 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 together as she is, who who knows her own mind as well as she does, has made that decision in the first place. If she, if she's got any doubts whatsoever, I, I, she's not the sort of woman I would have thought makes errors of judgment like that. So I, I am baffled. No, well, I mean, if you're looking for to, <laughs> to me to make any sense of it, I'm afraid I can't because I find I it do utterly want, I do baffling. want that, Catherine. In fact, I want you <laughs> to go and speak to Maria Sharapova and find out what's going on. <laughs> Well, I have to say... Of course, we don't know Maria Sharapova, do we? Unfortunately, she's not on the ATP Champions Tour. She's not. Give it give it time. Give it time. I, my um, my birthday present to my dad a couple of weeks ago was Jimmy Connor's autobiography, and I had a text from him when this happened oh. saying, extra chapter, perhaps? <laughs> so it'd be interesting yes. to see Crikey, whether the, the second edition contains a... Uh, a Maria Sharapova chapter, possibly. Oh, yeah, we haven't done book reviews on the tennis podcast very often. What did your dad think of uh, Jimmy Connors' The Outsider, available on, in all good bookshops? He's very much enjoying it, so so I understand. I haven't had a full uh, full appraisal, but early reports are very positive. So available at all good bookshops now. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm sure that that little recommendation will send those sales soaring. <laughs> Um, now, now uh, what else has been going on in the tennis world, Catherine? We have actually had some tennis on the court, which hasn't involved sweets or firings or retirements or anything. Uh, and most of it's involved um, Rafael Nadal absolutely squashing everybody before him. 
Yeah, d- certainly to my surprise. Um, I don't know about you, David. I, I didn't. I did not see it coming. I really didn't. I. Um... Oh, I did. I had money on it. Uh, I mean, I knew it was coming all along, right <laughs> from that moment that he left the court with Steve Darcy's at Wimbledon. I thought, you know what? I know he looks like he's a. He can barely walk, and and uh, and he's just lost to some Belgian that I've never heard of. But he's going to go and win Cincinnati and Montreal on hard courts with those dodgy knees, no problem at all. Yeah, well, I tell you what. If anybody genuinely did predict that back in back in late June when he had lost, well, you know that, how good I am at the old predictions. All credit to them because, yeah, um, I'm certainly surprised. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm surprised because he always does this, doesn't he? He always he always surprises us. Um, I mean, I, I was surprised enough in winning though. Miami. I mean, this is. This is extraordinary that he's now won three Masters Series tournaments on hard court. Just imagine if we went back this time last year when he was in the middle of that six, seven-month layoff and, and we, we, we would say he's going to win all well three of the four American hard court tournaments. Well, all three that he's played, basically. Yeah, I, I, it's quite incredible. And especially given I think you have to take the American hardcore swing in the spring quite separately to the one in late summer that we're in now. Because, I mean, there's there's no doubt with Nadal that the, the nature of his game and the stress on his knees, it does get harder for him as the season gets on, goes on. Um, so, I, I mean, him having the success he's had, and, well, not even success, I mean, utter domination that he's had on the hard courts at this stage in the season, um, it's quite incredible, really. I mean, I know... It's quite not quite the same as as you know. Give, given that he didn't come back till later on in the season, he's not quite played a full season. So perhaps that's mm. had some part in it. Yeah. But still, yeah, I mean, no. that's only a tiny, tiny footnote in in you know what's a incredible achievement that I really can't believe. I don't think it's just me or you, David. I just can't believe that anybody was predicting that back in June when he lost lost to Steve Darcy I, I yeah, really well, can't that, that's where you're wrong Catherine Whittaker because, I, because you know me uh, and uh, what would what would Caroline Wozniacki and Juan Martin Del Potro <laughs> clearly on course for the finals here at the US Open to get my prediction for the year right that they would both reach a Grand Slam final you know nothing can be doubted as far as my predictions are concerned no I didn't predict that whatsoever, <laughs> uh, and it was just an extraordinary achievement. Um, Novak Djokovic has lost one semi-final to Nadal. He's lost to John Isner, um, but both he and Andy Murray. I don't think you can ever read too much into their um, Masters series performances. I mean, Djokovic is incredibly consistent usually, but they're they're all about peaking, aren't they? I'd. Yes, I'd say more so Andy Murray um, in that respect. I mean, Andy Murray's never been that... He's never had that Federer factor of just destroying the minnows in early rounds of, you know, Grand Slams or... You know, he's never had that, has he? He's always been slightly vulnerable at early stages of either Grand Slams or Master Series or whatever, you know, slightly vulnerable to, to unexpected defeats in the way that others who have been at the top of the game, all right, I know he's not world number one, but, you know, Grand Slam champions or whatever have. Um, yeah. And I have to say, I thought possibly that would change following Wimbledon. I thought possibly he'd take on 
a bit more of an air of invincibility, which he certainly hasn't yet. It it, it could come. As you say, I don't want to read too much into it because, you know, it's very early days for him being a, a Wimbledon champion, which is something that will never be able to be taken away from him. But, you know, it hasn't happened yet. Um, I think it shows what a great best of five set player he is. In as much as I don't, I just don't think he would have lost those matches um, to Thomas Burditch, and I can't remember the other one he lost. But I don't think he would have lost them over the best of five at the U.S. Open. No, um, that, that's my personal opinion. And but I think that although it doesn't cost him, I don't think when he gets to the Grand Slams, I think it is stopping him from becoming world number one. I mean, he he could easily be the one of all the players to hold two Grand Slam titles this calendar year and still be a couple of thousand points short of Djokovic. Well, I agree. Um, I, I think it is very disappointing from that re- respect, but I, I certainly do. I think he was, you know, he showed up. He's had Landl with him these past two tournaments, hasn't he? You know, he's he's been taking the task seriously. I don't think it's a question of him taking his foot off the pedal. I think possibly the pressure, you know, this part of the season he is in defence mode, isn't he, in terms of points. I think maybe, perhaps not consciously, but subconsciously he knows his real assault on the world number one spot comes in 2014. You know, it comes at the beginning of the season, it comes with winning the Australian Open and pushing on from there. I think, You know, there was all sorts of discussion in in the wake of him winning Wimbledon. And actually, even if he had had an ultra-successful hard court swing, um, given the the number of points he has to defend, not only in the hard court swing, but also on the indoor courts and and the Asian swing, it was always going to be really difficult. So I don't know if the back of his mind he's had... You know, 2014 is when my challenge to to world number one really becomes realistic. I, I don't know. I, I really, yeah. Do, do you know what I think it is? I, uh, I've just come up with this say. theory off on the hoof. I've come up with this theory. Uh, my, my theory, Catherine, is the difference between him and Djokovic is the elasticity of their bodies. And I think Djokovic, is that not the difference between Djokovic and everyone? Who else has got the well, elasticity? Yeah, but, but, but I think with Murray, it's particularly pronounced because when he has a break. When he has the holiday that every human being has to have from their work, he stiffens up and it takes him a while to get the body going again. And I think he only fully reaches peak condition again once he's at a slam or once he's had a good couple of tournaments and all this sort of stuff. I just, I don't think he, I mean, I suppose the the French Open withdrawal and then the subsequent victory at Queen's might disprove that. But you know that that's my that's my theory, and I'm going to stick by it. And if anybody wants to argue with me about it, come on, Catherine. We need to see if we've got any listener questions, don't we? Toby Nelms says that Murray and Djokovic are the favourites in his opinion. Nadal's been playing great, but personally, he can't see him keeping his level up. Yes, because I asked who who would win the uh, the U.S. Open and whether Nadal would be able to to carry it into the to the U.S. Open and whether Murray would would be able to wake up the way he so often does. Louise reckons he loves the U.S. Open so much that Murray will definitely step it up. Um, we have uh, Jack Bradshaw who points out that he wasn't that great last year after Wimbledon either, Murray. And he's very right, you know, because Murray's won actually more matches this summer 
after Wimbledon than he did last year. And he obviously went and won the US Open. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's a very valid point. I mean, traditionally, warm-up tournaments aren't necessarily the best measure for Murray. And you made a very good point about five-set matches being a very different kettle of fish for yeah. Murray. You know, he's an excellent five-set player. I think you're probably right that he wouldn't... I hadn't actually thought of it in those terms, but he probably wouldn't have lost to Burditch over over five sets. Um, and I think probably that translates into mentalities. I think Burditch is probably going to that match, into that match, knowing this is over three sets, I've got a far better chance. His mentality going into a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam over five sets against Murray would probably be, be quite different. Um, so it's... You don't want to write off warm-up tournaments. They're not. They're certainly not irrelevant. Um, but sp- particularly in the case of Murray, they are not an infallible yardstick no, by any means. No. Barry Clark, ninety-three, Catherine says that Serena Williams or Sloane Stephens will win the title on the women's side, and they're due to meet, I think, in the fourth round here uh, at the US Open. And so basically, he's saying the winner of that wins the title. But, I mean, of course, Victoria Azarenka put in an excellent performance to, to beat Serena in Cincinnati recently. So there is a bit of intrigue out there. Yeah, well, I think it was... Was it you, David? Was it... Forgive me. If it for was not right, then it was me, yeah. Was it your tweet earlier this year, or was it you retweeting somebody saying that, you know, this is going to be the most telling year for Sloane Stevens and Laura Robson? Uh, the, not the most telling, but the most significant year in terms of their career development for both of them. I don't them. know whether it was um, me, but uh, but if if I think it was if, you. If everybody liked the comment then it was definitely me. Uh, yeah, let, let's give you yeah, credit let's for give that. Me anyway, credit. I certainly think that um the time is certainly I, I certainly don't think it's out of the question, let's say that if uh, for I, I feel like the time is right for someone to break through. Yeah. In a very we, significant we way. I know Sloane Stevens broke through at the Australian Open and Laura Robson to a certain extent broke through at Wimbledon but you know a real breakthrough a sort of Maria Sharapova 2004 Wimbledon type breakthrough yeah, I the, really the problem feel is, like the problem for Laura is that she's got this wrist injury and she, she had to withdraw from two the two big tournaments in the summer I mean I know she's been back in practice she's had the wrist strapped up but it's difficult to come out at the US Open and and not be sure how you're going to feel I mean that's a nightmare situation mm. for her and I think if ever there's evidence of how um, debilitating a wrist injury can be I think Juan Martín del Potro is probably um, a very good example of that um, it, it, yeah it, it's uh, it sort of it's confidence crippling isn't it a wrist injury mm. I think I think the um, the comeback process is quite a long one um, well, so, just look at one Martin Del Potro, champion here four years ago, and how much trouble he had with that wrist problem. Hey, Catherine, for the first time ever at the US Open, we might get a Rafael Nadal against uh, Roger Federer match in the quarterfinals. What do you think? Will it happen this time? Joe, you know I think um, I think it probably will happen. I think, um, well, we've discussed Nadal's form. It would be a massive shock if he didn't reach the quarters. And I know Federer has been by his standards, dreadful, really, in, in no uncertain terms. I, I, I really can't... I, I see him stepping it up for the US, really. Me too, I, especially I, I with really, the night sessions. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be very, very surprised. More As much so, I mean, 
I know surprises where Federer is concerned are no longer a, a taboo uh, post Wimbledon, but I still see it as hugely unlikely, even in light of everything that's gone before. I I, I really do think we're in line for that that quarterfinal, and I certainly hope. Come so. on then, Catherine. Final words: Who is going to win the U.S. Open on the men's and women's sides? I was hoping we'd run out of time before this had to come up. Um, who do I think is going to win the US Open? Blimey. Okay. Um, Come on, get on with it. I'm going to go for Nadal. Can't believe I'm saying that. I didn't think I would be saying that. That's just what's come out of my mouth at this particular moment. If you'd asked me in two minutes' time, I'd probably say a different name. So there you go, Nadal. Um, I've just noticed you always, I always have to give my predictions first. That's right. Has anybody else noticed yes. that? Yes. I, f- I feel that's a not particularly fair pattern. Yeah, age, age um, before beauty. Which we'll that's, have to correct for future things. Grand Slams. Um, so I'm going to go for Nadal. And on the women's side, I'm not going to go for Sloane Stevens, although I would be tremendously excited if she did come through and win. I'm going to go for. Azarenka. Okay. Well, I mean, I am going to go for the exact winners of the titles here last year. So both players are going to successfully defend their titles, Mr. Andy Murray and Miss Serena Williams. How about that? Well, what a bold, what bold predictions from us both. Yes, absolutely they are. And we're head-to-head again. I'm going to win. And we'll be back to talk to you on the Tennis Podcast very soon. Thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 